Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I have another guest on the show and I am speaking to Tony Marinucci who is from the US and she is a registered dietitian, public speaker, coach, future author, although by the time this podcast comes out she may actually be an official author. Tony has a master's degree in nutrition. She is an avid lifestyle blogger for over 10 years and someone who has an absolute passion for helping people live happier and healthier lives with her mission being to help you heal your relationship with food, gain self-confidence and find balance in your eating habits. So as well as being a registered dietitian, Tony is also a business owner of Tips with Tony. And ironically, she teaches people how not to diet through online nutrition coaching. She has given a TEDx talk about the parallels between dieting, dating and romantic relationships and how we treat them all the same. So in this episode today, we're going to be talking about Tony's healing journey, growing up in a larger body and being encouraged to diet from such a young age and how from the depths of despair with a difficult relationship with food and her body, how she has healed and then used this experience to grow and support others. We also talk about the differences between disordered eating and eating disorders, defining your eating archetype using Disney princesses. Who knew that was possible? Being on the Dr. Oz show, which is a USA daytime TV talk show for people who are not based in the US and how we diet like we date, the parallels between our relationship with food and romantic relationships, and also about the TED Talk and Tony's new book. So I'm really excited about this conversation today. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Great. So Tony, could you introduce yourself, please, to the listeners? Absolutely. My name is Tony Marinucci, and I am a registered dietitian from New York in the USA. I have been a dietitian for almost eight years. And the reason why I got into the field of nutrition and wellness was because growing up, I was overweight, insecure, and wanting to lose weight was constantly on my mind. I remember being teased as a kid because of my weight. And I honestly was a very happy kid, but people kept pointing it out to me. Like, obviously something was wrong with me and I'm using air quotes. You can't see, but basically I felt this pressure to need to lose the weight in order to be loved and accepted. My book coming out, it's called Once Upon a Diet. I really talk about how I tied my weight to my worth. And so when it came to dating, as I got older, I settled in relationships that really didn't serve me. And it came very increasingly clear to me that the way I was trying to lose weight through extreme restriction and excessive exercise wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. Also, even if I say it did help me lose weight, I was miserable, (laughs) like straight up (laughs) miserable, exhausted. I couldn't focus. My grades were slipping like, and I was a really, it was really good at school. That was one thing I was proud of. So it was just like, seemed to really just like destroy most parts of my life. So 
I decided to go to school to become a dietitian because I wanted to learn how to eat. I wanted to learn how to fuel my body. And I kind of started grasping that it's not about what you take away. It's kind of, it's more about what you add in. And I wanted to explore that more. So long story short, I went to school to become a dietitian. I graduated, you know, at this point, like whatever, nine years ago. Now I started, I worked for like I actually, my first job out of college was at an eating disorder clinic outpatient, and I absolutely loved it. So I got a lot of counseling skills under my belt really early on in my career, but it was working for somebody else. And so I decided to kind of venture and I went back into like clinical and I did a whole bunch of other just different settings and situations where a dietitian would be. And then I realized that my heart lies in the counseling and my heart lies in helping people find balance in their eating habits and be confident in their skin. And I just felt limited in being able to do that working for somebody else. And on the side, I had started my blog. It's called Tips with Tony. I started it in college and it had really evolved over the years. And so I was like, all right, let's try this. Let's try to make this a business. And so I started taking on a couple clients. And then, you know, fast forward, now we are three years later, and I have a team of RDs underneath me. And we really help women find, make peace with food find confidence in themselves and really just be able to live their lives without that food obsession and help them to achieve whatever goals that they have, but just making sure that it's behavior focused first. And I absolutely love what I do. And I'm just so grateful, believe it or not, for the, the kids who teased me as much as that was so torturous. It really did lead me to this passion and path that I'm on today. Mm, gosh, well, thank you so much for sharing, Tony. And what a journey you've been on, haven't you? You know, yeah. probably like the real, <laughs> the real sort of depths of like, you know, not feeling great in your self-esteem and your body, perhaps being bullied, mm-hmm. but really kind of coming, drawing so much sort of strength from that and overcoming your issues and now being mm-hmm. able to support others. Really wonderful. Yeah. Tony, was it during your sort of training as a dietitian that your relationship with food really changed and you sort of like started engaging more with the kind of anti-diet approach or was it previous to that? So it's interesting because I feel like in life we go through stages and we have like ups and downs, right? So like right before college, I feel like my relationship with food was more positive. Getting into college, just like I think the general public gets overwhelmed with information, I aspiring to be a dietitian to become a dietitian. It's a minimum of five years of schooling and it's really in depth and a lot, a lot of information. So you learn so much. And I think I too was trying to figure it out still. Like I probably hadn't really fully healed that part of me and it's not Mm. uncommon. Unfortunately, a lot of people who go to school, we are the, we are the RDX, we are the nutrition experts and we are already very credible resource, but I think everyone, not everyone, that's a general statement, but it is statistically shown that a majority of people that go to school to become registered dietitians have a history of disordered eating or an eating disorder. And they're really trying to seek help for themselves to then in turn help somebody else. So I, I think that we have to be really honest here that there's a little bit of bias that when people go to school to become a dietitian, sometimes they are bringing in their own past with that. And so full transparency, I think I had stages where there were moments where my relationship with food was super healthy. And then there were moments where, and I write about this in my book, where I really started to 
like I hid behind a vegetarian diet, then I hid behind the vegan diet, then I hid behind being gluten-free and vegan. And it wasn't necessary. And I I was telling people that I was doing it through experimentation to try to like, you know, if I had a client who was going through that, I would want to know how to relate to them first basis because growing up, I ate all the things. I'm Greek and Italian. And mm. so I kind of hid behind that just secretly hoping it would help me lose weight. Right. So I'm just being really, really honest in that. And then I would say, you know, obviously throughout that, those years, I started to realize that that was just like the worst thing I probably could have ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Very damaging and very limiting and very rigid. And once again, here I was where my quality of life was just like, I couldn't, I wasn't present around my loved ones, you know, all of those things. So like more later towards my graduation, I really started to realize like, yeah, no, I can't be a good dietitian and serve people if I don't heal my stuff first. So that's when I went on that, you know, where I actually started going to therapy and, you know, I started to, you know, never when I taught someone did I teach with bias, but I think Mm. it's almost impossible (laughs) to (laughs) be like the best version of you and really give people what it is that they need. So I knew I had to do my own healing before I could really go on into the career. And so that's when things transitioned for me. Mm, Thanks so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your honesty because I think it's a true fact, isn't it? I think often if you are sort of struggling with food, you can be quite drawn to that, wanting to work in as a dietitian, nutritionist, or even Mm -hmm. eating disorder counsellor. I know myself, I definitely came to this career as the wounded healer initially. Yeah. But yeah, we have to do our own healing, don't we? We definitely do. We definitely do. And something that I think is worth noting, when it comes to eating healthier, and I mean, it depends what your definition of healthy is, but let's just say, you know, you, you like for me, for example, when I was vegetarian and I was exercising like five to six days a week in society, especially if you're in a bigger body, that's glorified. People are like, wow, that's amazing. Like good for you. Like nobody, you know, if I was and this is where, you know, weight stigma, there's a lot of issues that are, we don't have enough time to go through here, but you know, it's because of, I was, because I was in a bigger body, I was cheered on for restriction. You know, I was cheered on for excessive exercise. I was like, you know, and so it went unnoticed. Right. But I knew behind that was my mindset was disordered. My mindset was like, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be fulfilled until I lose this weight. And that's the thing that people, we need to teach people to disassociate from in that it's not the end all be all. It doesn't make you happy at the end when you see the number drop. If anything, sometimes the number dropping, it makes it almost like a game. And now it's like, it never feels like it's enough. And it's just like more another pound, another pound, another pound, another pound. And it's just the wrong focus. It's just going to continue leading to a dead end and leading you to feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Yeah, no, so very true. And I think just so helpful that you just mentioned that point earlier on about if you are in a larger body and how you can just be praised for all those what could be disordered eating behaviors. Yeah, so tricky. And, you know, I think the statistic in the UK is that 85% of people with eating disorders are not underweight. So, Mm. like, you know, Mm -hmm. the majority of people and still eating disorders are very much associated, aren't they, with people that are really underweight and emaciated when there's so much of a bigger picture. Yeah. And then on the flip side, something like, like binge eating disorder in the United States is the most common eating disorder. And binge eating disorder, I think people associate only with people in larger bodies. 
Yet there mm. are many people, not only, but a majority, when there are many people of all shapes and sizes who yeah. struggle with binge eating disorder. It doesn't matter what your body size is. It has, it has very little to do with that, actually. Yeah, no, so very true. Yeah. So Tony as well, do you work in your practice with people with disordered eating and eating disorders or, you know, is that kind of across the board? That's a great question. Mostly because it's a virtual practice now, it's yeah. mostly for people who are have disordered eating because it, it's online nutrition counseling. There's lots of accountability. There's lots of support. But if someone has an active eating disorder, depending on the intensity of it, we'll likely refer them out to spe- with somebody who's specializing in specific, like, even though we have the training and the background, just mm. because of the physical setting, it's not, I don't think it's the most appropriate. It really, like, as you know, there's a spectrum, right? Yeah. So it kind of depends upon where they fall. You know, if they really just need, you know, proper education, guidance, support, accountability, you know, counseling, then in, if they can, if they are, in therapy, you know, on their own, because we work from people all over the US, right? And even in the world, I've had clients in the UK as well, but that's where we can't cross that boundary if they have an active eating disorder. That's where we would refer out. So we kind of more help like a lot of people in the program maybe have had a history of an eating disorder, maybe in their when they were in college or in their teens. And now it's more just like they're just, you know, disordered eating, like they're hiding behind all these different diets. They're obsessively concerned about their weight. You know, they have anxiety around food, but it's not where it would fall into like the actual criteria or statistic, like criteria of that. Oh, no, it makes a lot of sense. So Tony, I'm really intrigued that you went on the Dr. Oz show, which is that like a daytime <laughs> TV yeah, show? So yeah. In the Uni- so in the United <laughs> States, Dr. Oz is like the health guru that everybody, you know, looks up to. And he's actually, he's a cardiologist. So he sometimes will step into the realm of nutrition when I don't think that it's, you know, really appropriate, you know, with a big TV talk show you get reached out for sponsorships. So like he'll stand behind some things I don't always agree with. So when I had the opportunity to be on the show, I I had some reservations, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like, he's a great guy and like, he is super hopeful, but like, he also puts out some like misinformation. So (laughs) I was like, but I mean, like, I have a dream of having my own talk show. Like, I want to know what it's like. I want to make connections. (laughs) So I was able to get on the show and I had the opportunity to kind of show it was like fun. It was like a little almost like a cooking competition, but like how and like I made an avocado butter, which is basically like like an avocado spread. And I got to just talk about the benefits to the the nutrition benefits to avocado butter and everyone kind of voted and I won. So that's like like (laughs) what it was. But it was a really it was a really cool experience. And it, it really shifted things for me because, like I said, I've always won in my own talk show. And here I am like in front of someone who people look up to and idolize. But yet I know his information's a little bit jaded and a little bit you know, misconstrued. And, and it just made me realize, like, I I need to do this, like, I need to continue to speak my truth, be on all different platforms, and eventually create a large enough platform of my own, where I can reach as many people as he reaches and but at the same time, provide reliable nutrition information. Oh, gosh, how exciting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool experience. I had the opportunity to go on a few times, each time my role got a little bit bigger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it was cool. It was cool. So, is your kind of like is the kind of talk show on the horizon at all? Or tips with Tony? 
I don't know. You know, I want it to be, but it's also like, I feel like my journey has been, you know, my business was, it was just me for a while. Now I got the dietitians, which I'm so excited to continue to expand because I just, I do believe strongly in one-on-one coaching and counseling, but I also know like one-on-one counseling is a bigger investment than just like taking a course, right? It's also like really hard to help everyone when you, with, you only have limited amount of resources to be able to do that. So I want to have a, you know, a few more dietitians under me so that way they can reach more people. But at the same time, it creates space for me now. And rather than, you know, counseling, you know, Monday through Friday, freaking at one point I was like doing like eight to eight. It was crazy. So now Mm. it creates space for me to, I just finished my book. I'm going to go on a little book tour. I'm going to promote my book and thinking that now this is the link that's going to really help me get and pitch to you know, news and get on the news and on shows and then make my connections that way, just because it's something I can kind of bring with me. And we'll we'll see now that I have the space, time and energy, I think I'll be able to shift my focus to really making that talk show a real thing. Oh, gosh, how exciting. And I just really wish you all the best with that. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. It's literally it's why I started my blog tips with Tony in college. Mm. So it's been, I mean, that blog is like 13 years old now. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, so it's, it's definitely a, it's been a dream on my heart. I'm just, I think, I think, you know, we, we have these goals. I, I said, I wanted to do it, but by the time I'm 30, I'm 31. And so I think just like man plans, God's laughs, but it's going to happen when it's meant to ha- be happening, I believe. Yeah, it's so true. I think sometimes from the outside, it looks like these things are like overnight successes, but there's often been like a lot of work. Oh, so (laughs) much work. So much work. It's crazy. And then even Mm -hmm. even with all the work, like even when you think you're just about to like have the big break, (laughs) you know, it's like it's not. I had to have that lesson like you know, it's, the, the, it's not about the end result. It literally is about the journey. It's a hard lesson mm-hmm. to really understand and grasp, but you know, either way, even when you get, and I'm using air quotes again, like successful, like you still got to do the work to keep that success. So <laughs> yeah. you're never like done. So you may as well just like create a lifestyle that like in the way that you, that's the most enjoyable and yeah. stop waiting for events to be happy. Like just practice being happy each day. And then and, and ironically, that's what happens. And then you like get what you want. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Wise advice. Yeah. <laughs> so Tony, can you say a bit more about eating archetypes? I believe that's yeah. something that, yeah, that you are sort of an expert in. Yeah. So I don't like putting people in boxes. So an eating archetype is like helping people to understand the type of eater that they are. And I didn't do this with the intention to put somebody in a box and label them because I think diet culture does that enough. But Mm. I created the eating archetype quiz also to make it kind of fun and engaging with my book coming out. My book is called Once Upon a Diet. It's an extension of my TED talk where we talk about the parallels between dieting, dating and romantic relationships. Mm. And I talk in my TED talk and in the book, I discuss also like how, you know, if you think about a Disney princess, the majority of the Disney princesses are hourglass figures, right? So you never Mm -hmm. saw anybody in a larger body finding love. If anything, they were often the villain or they just didn't have Mm -hmm. a significant role, right? And so 
All that to say, I wanted to kind of create an eating archetype quiz that made sense the parallel like my that goes along with like my book. And so I went with the Disney theme. So if you go to my website, tipswithtony.com, you can take it's like a 10 question quiz. It'll ask you different questions about, you know, how you view food, your relationship with food, and all that. And then it basically will at the end tell you which Disney princess you eat like. So there's four Disney princesses that you could potentially get, Cinderella, Snow White, Ariel, and Jasmine. And each Disney princess, you know, they're known for a specific characteristic that's actually a very beautiful characteristic. So for example, Cinderella is known to be hopeful, right? But when harnessed incorrectly, you know, for example, Cinderella, she settles for circumstances that are less than ideal, right? So think about that person that so badly wants to lose the weight, right? And so they're so hopeful that if they just try a little harder, it's going to get better. But they're like, you know, not going out to dinner with their friends, they're skipping meals, they're miserable. Like it's just like, but they're like, but it's gonna be worth it one day, you know? And so we we know the story of Cinderella. So that's not the best example in the <laughs> actual scenario. But the idea is that her attitude of being hopeful, it's a beautiful characteristic, but she was harnessing it incorrectly at one point, right? So mm. I want the people who take the quiz they will get, you know, one of those Disney princesses and they'll get a series of emails after that follows about teaching them how to take this beautiful characteristic that they have and using it for better rather than it being like their curse, you know, and then along with that, within that, it'll give guidelines of, you know, different ways to kind of structure your eating that goes along with that characteristic and that eating archetype. Mm, sure. Well, it sounds like very original. I haven't heard of eating <laughs> yeah. archetypes of Disney princesses before. So yeah, yeah. I, made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I literally made it up. I mean, like people do a lot of that, the eating archetype quiz, like different quizzes and whatever, but I wanted something to stand out and be different. So yeah, well, no, I think you need it. I mean, yeah, you can go and you can take the quiz. It's harder, you know, when you if you healed your relationship with food, you know, it might yeah. give you a princess, but it might not feel aligned because, yeah, you know, like like now I don't really know. I mean, I guess like now I could I feel like I probably still relate to Jasmine a little bit just because I just know myself that if I'm slipping from the things that light me up and make me passionate. I tend to like maybe like, you know, eat a more emotionally sort of a situation. Mm, Um, And so Jasmine, it's all about like she's known for her independence. Like she wasn't going to marry someone she didn't want to marry. But if we were to take that scenario and flip it on its head and you were with people and doing things that weren't aligned with your vision and your purpose and, you know, you're probably you're going to be an emotional eater as a result of that. Not always, but that's often what happens because you're not doing the things that really light you up. Mm, sure. Well, it sounds really intriguing. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will go and head across and <laughs> find yeah, out. Yeah, tipswithtony.com. <laughs> we'll take your quiz. <laughs> okay. And also, like, tell us more about your book and this how we diet like we date. And yeah, really intrigued by all of that. Yeah. So as you guys know, I just shared that at one point in my journey, So now I might relate more to Jasmine, but in my history, I definitely related more to Cinderella. So like I said, I went, I became vegetarian because I thought that that was going to help me lose weight. And then it wasn't working. So I decided to go vegan. Then it wasn't working. So I I decided to try gluten-free vegan. And I just like kept going, trying harder and harder and harder. And 
this would happen with me in relationships. So a situation in a relationship, it wasn't, you know, it was pretty obvious right off the bat, like after the honeymoon phase that this person was not for me, but I just tried, kept making excuses and just was like, well, then it must be me. I must be the one I need to try harder. And it's like, sometimes it's just not a good fit. Right. So for some people being a vegetarian is like really helpful for them. It really helps them. It really, you know, for them, it works well. But like, you know, the guy I was dating, he was a great guy. He just wasn't for me. And I was trying to make something work that clearly didn't. And I think so many people are doing just that. Right. And then what happens is, is you jump from relationship to relationship or diet to diet and you never really learn anything. You know, if we're not using. So when I talk about my book, it's called the once upon a diet method. And I teach about really the, at the core of that is just being mindful and being introspective. But if we never really take the time in between those diets or in between those relationships to be an observer, to ask the right questions, then we're going to repeat old patterns and behaviors, right? So the whole premise of this concept is to get people to really slow down and think and ask themselves, what do I want? And knowing that you don't have to settle, like relationships take work and learning to find balance in your eating habits and actually break up with dieting. It is a really hard thing. It's not easy to do, especially in the society that we live in. But at the same time, it is possible. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to be sacrificing by not eating the foods that you love. And you you don't have to, you know, constantly like weigh yourself every day. Like all of these things that kind of get in our way, they don't have to be part of your life if you are open to exploring and really asking yourself those honest questions. Yeah, no, sure. No, I think it's so true, isn't it? The, those parallels. I'm just thinking as well how for so many clients as well, it's, it's sort of so seductive, isn't it, to go back to dieting in the, in the same way that maybe seductive mm-hmm. to go back to like a toxic boyfriend where you yeah. kind of like you have the nostalgia for the kind of good bits almost. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying <laughs> to replicate the honeymoon phase. Yeah. You're trying to replicate the honeymoon phase where everything's easy in the beginning. Because mm. it's not, there's nothing serious about it. There's no, there's no substance there, mm. you know? So it just seems like the easy way out. But we know if you play out, this is a very common tactic in psychology, right? If you play out the movie, right? If you play out the end of that story, what does that look like, right? So if you keep going back to the same guy, you know, and you you know, it's just a booty call or, you know, it's just a one night stand or, you know, it's nothing substantial, you know, yeah. but you keep going back to that. You can't be disappointed when he doesn't want to marry you or when he doesn't want to get into a relationship or he doesn't want to be fully committed. Mm. So, you know, deep down what you're doing. We are trying yeah. to convince yourself of something else. And for whatever reason, I don't know what that is. That's where therapy is super helpful. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to do the deeper work and you know that you're kidding yourself. Like if you're really honest and you really just took the time to really think it through. And I'm sorry if this is hurting anyone. I don't mean to like come across harsh or anything because I definitely I talk about it in my book. Like I healed my relationship with food before I healed my relationship with when it came to like finding like repeating old patterns. And I say this in my TED talk and even in my book, I dated five versions of the same guy just with a different name and a different face. <laughs> like I <laughs> I repeated the pattern many times. So I say this from, you know, my heart and I'm not trying to, you know, but it's I think sometimes we really need to hear it. We really need to be like, what am we need to ask yourself, like, what am I doing? And if what I'm doing is going to create the same outcome, then like what do I need to change? Mm. Yeah, and it's so helpful to say that. Because it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think 
as human beings, we are like very nostalgic, aren't we? And we kind of get mm-hmm. swept away in the emotion almost of that honeymoon phase with kind yeah. of rational thought, just kind of going out the window, even when like you're saying in a way, if we, we take a step back, in a way we can be our, we've got that kind of wisdom within us, haven't we? We know yes. really that's probably once we stop and pause and reflect, we know we're going down, back down that same old path again, but it's still... Yes. So seductive, isn't it, in the moment? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I, I love it. I love the whole idea, actually. And I'm sure you're. And did you say your book's coming out in two weeks? Yeah. So actually, nobody knows the exact date yet. I still have. I'm pretty sure if you guys are listening to this, you guys are lucky you're hearing it before everybody else. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive I'm going to release it on October 5th. The book is actually purchasable. So I will send you the link for that if you want to put it in the show notes. You can get it on Amazon. The paperback is ready to go. The thing that I'm waiting on and the reason why I haven't like fully announced it yet is I'm still recording the audio version of the book and I want it to be in my voice. And yeah. I have construction going on outside my building. So I have limited hours. And when I can record, it's very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but that should be ready to go soon. And then I wanted to do the Kindle version. So we'll see if I can get that out. If not, I'm just still going to just release the paperback and I'll probably get those up you know, a little bit after. But it's an easy read. I mean, it's tw- it's 11 chapters, but it's honest. It's real. It's raw. It's about, you know, my relationships, my relationship with food. It's about my clients. I change all of their names, but it's about my clients and like situations with them. And it talks, you know, I think anybody, especially if you grew up overweight in the 90s, then Mm. you will relate to this. Mm. You know, you will definitely relate to this because I talk a lot about my childhood and my story. And it's a really, I mean, it's something I'm really proud of. It took me two years to write. So I'm really proud of it. I think you, Mm. I think people will enjoy it. Yeah, well, well done you. I think it's, it's a big job, isn't it, writing a book? I mean, I'm saying oh this my when, gosh. I, when I haven't written one. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, no, no, really, Harriet, it's really, <laughs> it was rough. I mean, I think I was just watching something yesterday. Will Smith, he's an actor in the US. He's a very big actor. I don't know if you know Will yeah, Smith. Yeah, I mean, um, He's like very, yeah, so I figured he, he's like, you know. Anyways, he was talking about something about like how, Anything that you want that's great takes work. Like anything that you want that's great is going to be hard, you know? So mm. the book was hard. Like yeah. it was really, really hard because I had to revisit parts of my past that were unpleasant. I had to have really uncomfortable conversations with family members because not, I, you know, I talk about it. On, I talked about how I got teased at school for my weight, but I also got teased at home. Mm. So it was not the easiest conversation you know, to tell, to talk, have a sit down with my parents and my grandmother's no longer with us. And I love her very much, but she was a big, big part of my insecurities because she pointed out to me a lot about my weight and how I needed to lose weight in order to, you know, eventually get a boyfriend and find love. And like, she put those messages in my head. So it was a very, you know, so as hard as it was to physically write, you know, I have all the stuff in my head and then to find the words and to make it in the words that like people are going to read it and understand it and relate to it. You know, that part was hard, but then Mm. like the emotional stuff was hard as well. And so Mm. now I'm dealing with like the more, the easier hard, the easier hard is like waiting for the approval. I had to wait for the approval for Amazon. I had to like figure out the, 
you know, I have to get this audio recorded when I have construction outside my building. (laughs) You know, so like now it's more of just like annoying hard. But like the actual writing of it was tough. It was a little bit tough, but I made it. I did it and I'm proud of it and I'm excited. And Mm -hmm. now my family's celebrating with me. So that and that conversation, by the way, if anybody has has have has a hard time like speaking up. I, in my mind, decided it was going to be a catastrophe. My family was never going to talk to me again. They were actually very understanding and they completely agreed with me. So I was like, okay, this is good. (laughs) I just had anxiety about this for five months, but no big deal. (laughs) Uh, Well, well done you. I think having those conversations with family is probably even harder than actually writing the book, isn't it? Yes, yes, it it was hard. And what's it been like doing the audio book or, you know, that sounds like it's a process, but, you know, what's it like reading your book aloud? It's interesting, you know, because I mean, it's harder than I thought it was going to be because also too, like on a podcast like this, if I say um or ah or like, like, it's not that big of a deal. Hopefully people don't get too annoyed by it. But like on the audio book, you have to be very precise in the wit what you're you know, how you're recording it. So from the technical Mm -hmm. standpoint, it takes a lot longer than you would think because when you read it, if you stutter or if I like go like that, like a, like a big breath, it's like, we're going to have to cut that. So (laughs) I may as well just redo it, you know, but in regards to reading it, I mean, it's still, it makes me go back to those, those moments, you know? So I, it's really therapeutic. Like if anybody wanted to write a book, I would tell them to do it just for the aspects of healing and growth that happen you know i'm i've read the book i wrote the book you know through the editing process i reread it when it came in hard copy i read it again and now i'm reading the audio but yet i still am like wow go tony (laughs) you know like i'll still get to moments where i'm just like damn like how mean were they to you like oh my god like look at who you've overcome or just like you know, like, and then, yeah. And then there's moments where I'm like, oh, well, I probably should have reworded it this way, but I'm done oh. with like trying to perfect it. Cause that can be really exhausting. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> so I'm just sure. like, all right, let's get it out there. It's, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. And I can imagine actually that you, every time you read it, you can probably, you could probably think. Can you every know, time. Just, yeah. Oh, I can every time. My that. book oh, editor. Yeah. yeah. My book editor was like, all right, Tony, we can't, the more we go through it, the more it's going to like, you're never going to get it out. Like yeah. you're never going to put it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's good enough. It's good enough. That's all about Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And one thing my, I have, I obviously got help for this. Like I didn't just do this on my own. I have a writing coach. I had a book editor. My writing coach was like, if you put out a book and you're like, this is the best thing I ever wrote. Like it's probably crap. <laughs> He's like, no. most people who put out books are always like, okay it's okay it's it's good enough it's it's good (laughs) you know because but we're all our own worst critic and like we you know we think that it could be this way or that way but right now I I think it's the best it could be for my very first book and I always said I'm never going to write another one but I probably will so (laughs) we'll see I've learned I've learned a lot from this experience a lot yeah and it sounds like it and I I think it's quite a common thing isn't it that once people write a book it kind of does lead to more I mean not that there's any pressure there but no (laughs) yeah thank you for removing I've learned literally the day after I did my TEDx talk someone said to me like, I can't wait for the next one. I'm like, can one be enough? Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, maybe, but I just like, 
yeah. So what if I do write another book or if I don't, I'm still proud of this one, you know? Mm, yeah. So tell us more about your TEDx talk as well. Yeah. So my TED talk is basically like, I would encourage you, Harriet, I can give you the link for that as well. I would tell people right. to go watch the TED talk. It's only eight minutes. And then if they really love the TED talk, they're going to love my book. Like absolutely love it. So in my TED talk, I talk about my history and all that. And then I, I talk about the three questions. So I said, we need to slow down and be introspective. So in the TED talk, I talk about the three questions we need to ask ourselves before getting into a relationship or starting a diet or a new nutrition plan or you know a health kick or whatever it is. And so those three questions are the first one that we just already kind of talked about is will this last past the honeymoon phase, right? So there's nothing wrong with a like a short-term fling. There's nothing wrong with like experimentation, but are you truly using it like that? You know, are you being honest with yourself or are you hoping that it leads to something bigger and, and better? So will this last past the honeymoon phase? The second question we need to ask ourselves is, is do you even like this? Like, are you doing something that you even do you like the food that you're eating? Do you like the guy that you're with or the girl that you're with? Or is it just because you think that you're supposed to be in a relationship or like, you know, you're kind of just like going with the flow, but like, you don't, you're not truly happy or excited. So make sure you like the process because if you don't like the process, you'll be forever disappointed with your progress. It's never going to feel like it's enough. You're never going to feel fulfilled. And then the third thing is, if you finished, you know, an eating plan that maybe didn't work out for you or you ended a relationship or you're in between dating or whatever it is, it's asking yourself like from that last relationship or that last diet that you tried, what lessons did you learn from this? And that's the most important question because there's something there, right? There's probably components to the relationship that you really enjoyed. And there's probably components that were not satisfying, right? Same thing with, you know, not all, I, I'm not a big fan of diets, as you can imagine, as you know, but if you're going to do it, because at the same time, we can't control people, right? They're going to yeah. do what they want to do and what they need to do. And sometimes as much as we can warn them that it's a fad diet and it's not going to last forever, and it's we can say it's not worth their time, if they learn something through it and by going through it personally helps them truly understand like, oh, now I understand what she was saying and now I can finally say goodbye to it, then we don't want to rob people of that experience because I do believe that some people learn by hearing, but most people learn by doing. Right. Mm. So if so, but it's important that if you are going to, if you do do something or um, chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably have had tried a specific diet in the past. You know, there might be components to it that worked well. You know, maybe you started eating more vegetables and drinking more water, you know, mm. so that's a great thing to incorporate. Right. But you know, maybe you definitely don't have to cut out every single carbohydrate. That's the last thing we ever want to do. Right. And mm. so it's like taking the components that work well for you and leaving the others behind and helping that guide you going forward. So that's the gist of the Ted talk. And the reason why I wrote the book is because most some TED talks are like 20 minutes. I only had eight minutes and I was like, well, this is not enough time. <laughs> I, like, I have so much more I want to say. <laughs> You'll have to do another three, won't you? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, oh. uh, but honestly, that's what birthed the, that's what birthed the book, the talk birthed the book. So. Sure. 
I just think as well, those questions are so great and insightful. And I just wish you had been around, Tony, when I was in my 20s, because it (laughs) would have saved me a lot of heartache. (laughs) That's that's literally what I write in the book. That's like, that's like, I think the intro or chapter one. I'm like, this is not, you know, to rob experiences from you, but it's to, you know, (laughs) save you some heartbreak. It is and disappointment. Mm. It's to save you some of it. Like you're going to go through it. That's normal. But if I could save you, you know, a couple years of that you know, it means a lot, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So Tony, obviously you've got your book coming out very shortly, but do you have anything else that you wanted to kind of mention that's sort of exciting in the pipeline for you? I think that the book is really the biggest thing. I think if anybody is interested in working with a dietitian one-to-one to heal mm-hmm. your relationship with food, really kind of figure out what it is, you know, so what I talk about in the book is that you know, so many people are going around like Cinderella's stepsisters, right? Like we're trying to jam our feet into something that clearly that doesn't, but we really need to be more like Goldilocks, right? I want you to experiment. I want you to figure out what works best for you, right? And so in order to be like Goldilocks, you need somebody to bounce ideas off of. You need an expert who knows, you know, where not to go and where to go until you have the habits developed to truly just be able to live your life and you know, eat in a, in a way, in a style that fits best for you. And so that's what we do in this six month to food freedom coaching program. So if you're interested in working with a dietitian, I recommend going to tipswithtony.com slash coaching. There's a video about the program. You can fill out an application. We'll hop on a call. And then on a call, I'll put you with a dietitian. If I think you're a good fit for the program, I'll put you with a dietitian that I think you'd vibe with the best. And then six months, believe it or not, goes by like that, like super, super quick. And you can be that much closer to that place of what we call food freedom. So no longer stressing over what you eat, no longer worrying about the number on the scale, really just being able to live your life and eat food and not have to fear it or be scared by it. And to truly just make peace with it, make it peace with food in your body. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds wonderful, Tony. And I just make sure all of that info is in the show notes so people can, you know, make contact if they want to. Great. Great. I'll send you all the links. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, Tony, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You know, I just love your energy and just so many great tips and insight and lots of inspiration. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Tony's info in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you want to join the Eating Disorder Therapist Book Club, the link is in the bio. And through that, you get access to four extra podcast episodes a month and a supportive Facebook group. If you enjoyed this episode today, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm -hmm.